Welcome to episode 15 of Wikimove. In this podcast, we discuss the future of the Wikimedia movement. I'm Nikki Zoyner, and with me is Eva Martin. Hi everyone, Nikki and I are part of Wikimedia Deutschland's governance and movement relations team. This episode was recorded on the 16th of November 2023. Things may have changed since then, but there is one thing that we still know. By 2030, Wikimedia will become the essential infrastructure of the ecosystem of free knowledge, and anyone who shares our vision will be able to join us. So, Nikki, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so today we'll tell a story, the story that led to writing the movement strategy and especially recommendation four, which focuses on how our movement should be governed in the future. In 2017, people in the Wikimedia movement started to talk about the need for a global strategy. And that is a set of agreements and principles that would lead us together towards the next decade and that would make sure we stay strong together. And one of the main components of the 2030 movement strategy is the development of a system by which we, as a movement, can make decisions. A system that gives a voice to new people and groups and allows everyone to join. In conversation, we call this governance. So why did we choose this topic for today's show? Well, we often hear about Recommendation 4 as we are getting closer to a governance system. And a group called the MCDC is writing a document that will describe this governance. This is our movement charter. So we're also getting closer to the Wikimedia Summit, which is going to be in April of 2024. There, our affiliates will have the opportunity to discuss governance and help shape that charter. So today's conversation will serve as an intro to this backstory, to the reasons we have these conversations and explain the why. So this is great for people who have since joined our movement to get up to speed, but it's also great for those of us who've been part of these discussions for a long time and maybe have lost the why a little bit. So I'm going to introduce our first guest. Um, so we have two historians of movement strategy on the call today. Our first guest is Margay Novotny. Uh, Margate joined the Wikimedia Foundation in 2018 to lead the design and research team in the product department. And it was in this capacity that she became involved in the movement strategy working groups at the time. Um, prior to the Wikimedia Foundation, Margate worked on trust building, equitable value exchange, and transparency in machine learning systems at Microsoft. She has recently left the foundation, but continues to participate as an advisor to the Movement Charter Drafting Committee. Hi, Margay. Hi there. Our second guest today is someone who many of our Wikimove listeners will remember from season one, and that's Nicole Eber. Nicole joined Wikimedia Deutschland in 2010 and is currently Director of Governance and Movement Relations. So yes, she is the fearless leader of our team. Nicole led many projects that brought us to that point today where we have the privilege to discuss movement governance. And she will talk about these projects later. In her life before Wikimedia, she wrote her thesis about Creative Commons licenses in NGOs, and she was one of the first people to popularize the free licenses in Germany. Hi, Nicole. Hello again. Nice to have you here. So. First, we would like to get to know you both a little bit better. Nicole, 
You've been involved in strategy conversations for more than 10 years now. Can you please tell us what motivates you? Why is this movement and its governance so important to you? Yeah, very good question and ma many answers to that. So I'm still very motivated now after 13 years working here to come back to the office every day and, and connect with my colleagues here, but also with the people around the world. So it's really the people that motivates me most and their passion and their belief in that a better world is possible, basically, and that it's an effort that we are striving for together on a global level like wikimedia it stands for participation and co-creation and so on and we want an open and non-commercialized internet which also means free access to knowledge and education and i think so this is such an important task in the world it's basically free knowledge for everyone and it's like highly political and it's huge also and um what motivates me to to talk about governance like all the time <laughs> is that i think that we cannot live up to what the world needs from us if we don't bring our own house in order and we are kind of standing in our own way and so on by being really the best we can be and i think it's worth investing my time and energy and other people's time and energy into that change thanks nicole so margie um, you're a former staff member of the Wikimedia Foundation, and you had uh, a big contribution to the development of that recommendation four, which we'll talk about later. So why did you join that working group? And what was so important to you about roles and responsibilities in the movement? Well, first of all, it was, it was just um, a fascination with both the goals of the movement strategy process, period. I, I came in right at uh, the beginning of phase two. So the, just the order of magnitude, the level of engagement that we were seeking and seeing from the community um, was just something I've just haven't experienced anywhere else I've been. And I just thought this was really the most ambitious effort I'd ever heard of. Um, we ended up engaging with what ended up being like thousands of people from the community, I think, all told in the end. Um, and, you know, just the problem of trying to rethink how the free knowledge movement could or should reorganize or evolve um, is just a fascinating design problem. So as a designer, it was a daunting challenge. Um, you know, once you've engaged all of these people in this process, how do you take all of their perspectives and synthesize them into something um, coherent and um, actionable. Um, so I was super eager and honored to be uh, part of this, this Roles and Responsibilities Working Group. Great. So you both um, gave us the big picture already, which is great. Now let's talk a little bit more about how our current movement strategy originated. Nicole, can you maybe, and I know it's a hard one, but can you please give us a very quick history of movement strategy from 2013 until 2020? And maybe you can also insist on what was the motivation to change things and what were the main milestones? Yeah, it's a little bit funny because in the uh, prep, uh, we you said like two minutes. And I think for me, it would be easier to talk about this two hours <laughs> for two hours <laughs> and for two minutes. <laughs> so I'll try uh, to keep it short and focus on the milestones. And for me, the 
first milestone was really the chapters dialogue projects where chapters have been chapters and also the foundation have been asked about like their needs and how they work and what kind of support they need and so on and so on and what they think what they would need from a um from governance models and so on as well that was uh, 2013 and then um and you can read about it on meta of course all about it on meta 2014 the results were presented at the wikimedia conference which is now the wikimedia summit and this ha this conference happens year after year and had a focus on movement strategy then from i think 2017 on in 2017 the recommend the strategic direction was developed already in a very participatory process and with external research and new voices were involved and so on as well. The strategic direction, uh, Eva has, has Eva read it out or Nikki? Yeah, Eva has read it out. Is that right? Nikki has no, read it out that uh, me earlier today. in the introduction. Um, <laughs> so you know that as well. And I think it's a very inspiring and um, huge strategic direction that we that can unite us all as a movement. And then I took over to leading that process from 2018 to 2020, this working group phase that we already that we will talk about uh, more with that resulted in the 10 recommendations and 10 principles. And this was I mean, how much should I talk about this? This was like this large process where we said, okay, we can only do this process the wiki way. And that's also what motivated me to do it and to take over because I said, okay, we can only do it if we really mean it to be very participatory and open because we need people's contributions and interest and uh, we need to consult them because later on people we need people to commit to the implementation as well. And that was what was driving me also throughout this, throughout this, I would say, radically open phase of movement strategy. And I think we'll t I'll talk about it a little bit later. I can already say it wasn't flawless. It was, of course, there are things to criticize, but it was groundbreaking because it was the first time that we did it at such a scale. And that's also why the recommendations that came out of it um, provide the basis, the foundation, the mandate for the implementation on the different levels that we are currently in. Uh, that's maybe the last milestone. I mean, we're now in the implementation mode of movement strategy and 2030 is then the next milestone uh, where we'll check in and see, okay, how how far did we get with with our strategic direction and plan. Maybe that was five minutes now, I don't know, but... No, okay, it wasn't good, too long, good. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, Margie, you joined in phase two, which was the phase after the strategic direction was written, and everybody sort of marched, said, "Okay, we were marching towards this direction. Where everyone can join us." Now, what is it that needs to change? What do we need to do to get on that path? And then, so they put together nine working groups, I think, and you joined one of them. And uh, it was the Roles and Responsibilities Working Group. You want to talk a little bit about that and what you did to arrive at this recommendation for, and at some point we also need to say what recommendation for says, I guess, because we keep quoting it, but people who are not familiar with it probably don't know what it says. So maybe if you could uh, get to that, thanks. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so recommendation four is ensuring equity in decision-making. Um, 
Yeah, so our we started our work, work as a group by um, trying to build a common picture of what the challenges and the opportunities of the current government the governance structures were. Um, and we did this by talking to as many people in the movement as were willing to talk to us. So as a working group, um, we interviewed, did quite extensive interviews with, um, I think, up around 25 people in all, um, including members of the working group who had a lot of embedded knowledge uh, from the different roles they had, roles and responsibilities they had um, had uh, historically. Um, and then this working group met and and synthesized basically all of the you know perspectives that we had um, learned about uh, through these interviews and come up with a set of what um, just kind of distilled out a set of assumptions and principles that were currently at work in the movement. And what was interesting about this is that the, these these assumptions assumptions and principles which are linked in the show notes uh, in case anyone's interested. Um, there, many of them are in conflict with one another. So that our starting point was to begin to debate um, of the of the current current assumptions and principles, which are consistent or in alignment with the movement strategy or movement vision, basically where we want to get to, and which weren't. Um, um, and then the other thing that came out were, was during these interviews was um, kind of information and, and perspectives on who has authority over which kind of decisions currently. And, and we also got recommendations for how that needed to change in order to get to our, our goals. So the basis of the of recommendation for ensuring equity and decision making came out super early in this process. And it showed up as um, a kind of a pattern of responses around uh, calls for more self-determination and more autonomy in decision-making. Uh, there were recommendations for how to reorganize or eliminate certain uh, committee processes. There were recommendations for how to foster community-led decision-making. And there were suggestions for different models of governance that might better serve our, our goals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Margie, the, the, the work you're describing was completed in 2020. This is three years ago. Can you maybe tell us a little bit more back then, what were your hopes for the future of the movement and for the future of what would be done with this recommendation? Yeah, so for me, I'm just speaking personally. Um, I'd hope that the process we followed would ensure uh, we would finish and we would have um, a community, we would have community support and buy-in so that everybody, we would have built momentum um, towards uh, the implementation phase of this project. Um, um, I had hoped that all of the detail and documentation that went into the recommendations that were made uh, would, would serve as a basis for for this drafting process is happening now. I, I was, um, I'd hoped that that would, all the findings and conclusions would be leveraged um, in this current process. Um, and then, you know, one of the other aspects of what came out of the recommendations were the set of 40 initiatives that basically were implied by the, the recommendations. And my hope kind of as a more, as a, again, maybe as a designer or as a, Pro product or project and program 
sort of person. I was hoping to see a really kind of an order of operations type approach, starting with the most fundamental things and hoping that the most fundamental initiatives would then inform all the initiatives that followed. Um, and that this, this kind of implement implementation phase would be, you know, efficient and predictable and that we'd be able to move towards our 2030 goals more, more quickly and predictably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maggie, you just mentioned the initiatives and the recommendations, and all of that comes from the movement strategy principles that were developed even before the recommendation were. So that's a question to Nicole. Can you maybe tell us a little bit more, how did we get to those movement strategy principles and how are they still important and relevant today? Yeah, I can talk about that. And when I was thinking about when I first, when we first talked about our dealt with the, these principles it was for me like a, a little bit of a difficult time because it was at the harmon the so-called harmonization sprint that happened in tunis in september i think 2019 um and it had a beautiful name harmonization sprint where we wanted to harmonize the 80 the um 98 recommendations that the working groups had developed together down to 10 ju on just one weekend. Let's just do it. Uh, <laughs> it will be easy. And spoiler, no, it didn't work and it wasn't easy. And it was, this event was super difficult for, for the people there, for us, for, for me and the team, but of course also for the participants and pe some people who already wanted to leave. And it was super painful. And then we, at some point understood there was some something was lacking to actually create that harmony that we needed and it was really some foundation that we can first all agree on like some foundation or some underlying things that we can all agree on um and that we can then build the recommendations upon and that were those were the principles and also they didn't just uh, magically appear those principles but many of the working group and probably even most of the working groups had been working on principles because they had already realized that we were a little bit uh, slower than the working groups maybe at that point they had already realized that they needed some kind of groundwork and um as I said, like uniting, yeah, underlying principles. And I think they serve like a very absolutely important purpose today, even though sometimes we tend to forget that they are there because people are talking about, as Eva and Margie said, principles and recommendations. But then we like look back at the principles because they are also, I think they are very good and they are unifying and so on. Is it right? Uniting. They guide the implementation of movement strategy and they also describe what kind of movement we are and what kind of movement we want to be. So um, it, to quote from the principles, they are fundamental beliefs that guide our work across our movement. And also they speak to what it means to be a Wikimedian. And I find that like super fundamental, essential work that has gone into that. And um, that's also why I think they are. Mm -hmm. very important super important today so so let's let's get a little more co concrete in terms of what are the principles that we're talking about and we'll link those in the show notes too but what do they mean for when we talk about governance what do they mean when we talk about roles and responsibilities of different actors in the movement and who makes decisions 
Um, I know, Margay, you guys, a lot of the principles come out of your working group and um, some of the more central ones. So you want to talk a little bit about um, how they're re relevant now today to writing that charter, please. So again, you know, speaking from a personal perspective here, um, I feel like three of the movement strategy principles are particularly relevant to the project of drafting a charter. Um, the three I think of are inclusivity and participatory decision-making, equity and empowerment, and subsidiarity and self-management. And um, just kind of to dive, go a, a tiny bit deeper on each of those, inclusivity and participatory decision-making is really about creating a governance model that will maximize the ability of different entities in the movement um, to influence the outcomes they most want to see. So that means, you know, maximizing the ability for commu individual community members, projects and affiliates to participate basically. Um, and, and the inclusivity part is about recognizing that in order to reach our 2030 vision, we really need to make the movement attractive and hospitable to people and groups who are not yet part of mm -hmm. the movement. Mm -hmm. um, and then the equity and empowerment principle is about ensuring that newcomers to the movement are treated not equally, but rather equitably in the sense that they're given the resources needed to allow them to flourish. So this means agreeing as a collective to honor and promote the unique and emergent needs of our newest community members, um, and in this way to empower them to expand the movement in their context. And then the third one, subsidiarity and self-management. This is about creating a governance structure that allows decisions to be made at the most local level possible and to minimize top-down governments as much governance as much as possible by creating a structure where nodes of the network are empowered to make whole categories of decisions and then to manage the execution and consequences of those decisions at that local level. And my take on these three principles is that they imply kind of a nested model of governance where only the most overarching strategic and operational decisions are taken at the highest level and more localized governing bodies exist to handle all the decisions that can made be made downstream in more localized contexts, um, which to me suggests a way to maximize participation participation and governance across the movement, while also preserving det self-determination and autonomy at the most local level. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm the only person in this conversation who was not around during the movement strategy process. So let me maybe just summarize what has been said so far to make sure that other newbies also follow the conversation. So a lot of people met together they worked together, they came up with the, the strategic direction, then with the principles. Based on this, we wrote the recommendations and the initiatives. If I understand correctly, then after this long process, the movement strategy was finalized, but it was never ratified. So maybe, Nicole, you can tell us a little bit about where does this movement strategy draws its legitimacy from? I find it, I'm a, I wouldn't say funny, but maybe it's awkward or something like that, that legitimacy can, of such a process can only come through, I don't know, this thing called ratification or vote. 
because for this process we uh des like we decided that the process itself is the the ratification to be honest like the it, because it was so long it was participatory it was iterative so the i mean Margie, you might remember when you first published the f when you published the first draft of the recommendation it was super a super early draft and we said it it's very early it's really at the at the first stages and we publish it so that the working groups can get a sense of how the movement will react no of of what the movement like thinks about it and what they would like to change or you know to get a sense of it and people were freaking out completely how dare you publish something that is not yet ready and <laughs> there's something in it uh which i don't like at all and we are the the they want to i don't know make the decisions for us and so on it was really super difficult and it was also difficult to explain this is only a first draft and we publish it like a, maybe it's like a stop on wikipedia where also you want people to come and make them better and and this repeat this was repeated for a couple of rounds and that's why i also say it was so iterative because in each stage of the recommendation they were published they were discussed they were we held like events and online sessions and on wiki consultations and whatever you can imagine, one-on-one -on -one conversations that we then fed back into the larger process and so on. And that was all. What was also difficult there was like to strike this balance between over-consultation and not involving people, because some people were really like, "Oh my God, you're throwing these recommendations at us all the time. How we cannot even um, um, read everything and so on and so on." And uh, others were saying, why have we not been asked and so on. So it was really also difficult like for us to manage. And as I said, we use these diff different formats and we also in identified gaps in the groups or in the, in the content and try to find people and context to find those gaps and also motivate people to engage and to join who probably haven't been among the usual suspects or loud voices um from previous phases and so we for example offered scholarships for internet access or for travel to an internet cafe so that a person could participate in a call i mean we can all just sit here in this call easily from home or from the office but for others it was probably more difficult or they needed uh, child care and so on so we we also started translating all those meetings and even started offering interpretation which is now almost like usual but it has been only slowly introduced then so um it was again like this this whole big huge participation was can be seen as from from my perspective as the ratification and i think when you asked about numbers i was it's very very difficult to tell to say numbers because um i would in a humble way say hundreds but maybe it was thousands so one thing that we could count was that people from 70 countries participated in it. And we had, for example, around 50 local organizers who held events with their communities or affiliates. And then we had, of course, hundreds who participated on Wiki and on, and on these different events. So it was a huge group uh, of people. And again, I'm, I'm 
more than open and to say it over and over again, it was of course not perfect. I mean, how can such a process be perfect? It was not not flawless. And also, of course, our time and resources weren't endless. And the time and resources of all the volunteers and people in the working groups were also not endless. So at some point it needed to come together to these recommendations. And yes, that's when we published them. And with that publication, they they were there and they were, were valid for the movement. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's also, you know, the fact that we have recommendations and not goals is also a a sign of you know the the iterativeness of of the movement's strategy um so the you know the principles hold still today some of the recommendations especially the one on equity and decision making i think absolutely still holds um some of the other ones haven't been implemented but the recommendations, I mean, like I said earlier, they're this what this is these are the things, <clears throat> excuse me, we have to do to get on that path towards a strategic direction where we're inclusive and diverse and everyone can join us. Um so um and and we didn't just make that stuff up based on the values we had that, you know, in, in those in those days. And uh, I wanted Margay to talk about a little bit what what did you guys do? You know, in addition to all that participation, all that input you got from the from the uh, movement itself, from the communities, you also got input from outside of the movement, right? And I think that's really important. You want to talk about that for a minute? So, um, as I um, kind of as a high level uh, map of the process, you know, we had kind of it was kind of a three step process, and I've already talked about the first step, which was us trying to understand and map out the existing decision-making structure of the movement. So that was step one. Um, but step two was um, research to understand what other organizational models might be worth considering. Um, and so, for example, we invited an expert from the Burtzorg organization uh, to give us a deep dive into how a TEAL organization works. Um, and I think that might be linked from the show notes as well. Uh, just background on what uh, what the Burtzog model is. Um, this this uh, research actually was the origin of the recommendation for a hub model, which um, seems to have um, taken some hold of uh, mm -hmm. people's imagination for so sure. far. Uh, yeah, and then the third step was um, we developed criteria for evaluating each of these different alternative models against one another, um, including thinking through what the pitfalls of each one might be in our context. So um, as a result of that process, we had landed on this idea of a general council, which, um, which was originally envisioned to have the authority to create and disband committees that were charged with X or Y problem for a particular period of time. So to set up um, as many participatory bodies as needed to solve the problems of the day and then to disband these committees if they had served their purpose um and then the other the other idea was that the regional there was there would be the set of kind of a small set of regional hubs who would become the administrative and operational support structure for their local movements contributors projects and groups um, 
and and overall the recommendation was to was about shifting power and decision making um just as the community was calling for throughout this process and ultimately the idea of the hubs was a way of of um, realizing or facilitating this concept of subsidiarity mm-hmm. and self-management so that um you know we were doing that to the greatest degree possible yeah thanks and thanks for doing all that work back then which you know now you can see hubs is something that really is gathering momentum and as a way to decentralize uh, decision making so great work <clears throat> so nicole like i said earlier we <laughs> these are recommendations and a lot has been going on in the world since 2020 it, but Has anything changed since 2020 that would make you say, well, recommendation four is outdated or is maybe less relevant at this point? I wish I could say yes. <laughs> <laughs> That would make all our lives so much easier, right? If we yeah. just say, ah, oh, yeah, so we're problem done. solved, let's move on. <laughs> no, I think it's even uh, more more important and or more relevant to tackle the issues that or to to really look at how can we ensure equity in decision making decisions about about money about how affiliates what roles and responsibilities affiliates or the or of course also the wikimedia foundation uh, should play in the movement and um i think as i said also in the beginning how did i say it there like that that we need to get our own house in order you know that mm-hmm. uh, to become the movement that that the world needs us to be um that that involves governance of course like how do we govern ourselves and i think we as a movement to the outside stand for so many things like maybe justice and freedom and and de- democratic decision making and so on but when you really look into the inside you don't see that at a at a, such a level um as probably our projects are known for and it's also i think about our own our movement sustainability how can we remain like strong and relevant and resilient and also um continue to fight this radical act of uh fighting for free knowledge and again i think this is um it doesn't it, it yeah when we stand in our own way and don't have that clarity for ourselves and in how we work together with the other movement or across the movement and with the movement players as also as partners and striving for the same cause and supporting each other i think um that's it's con- continues to be to be difficult and i also think not so much has changed since 2020 um we are still i don't know if like kind of a, a centralized movement i mean yes the hubs the hubs are and i really we have to congratulate your your working group to that because they i mean <laughs> that really uh, took off that idea um But still, decision making is still very much uh, centralized and not equitable. And of course, some uh, organizations like uh, affiliates, but also the Wikimedia Foundation have been moving forward on some of the initiatives, like, for example, the foundation implementing their own grant com- regional grant committees. But from my perspective, all these steps, they are only a patch for the symptoms, right? They only like 
cover the surface of these issues, but they really don't go into fixing the overall problem of decision-making not being equitable <laughs> and uh, also fund distribution not being equitable. Um, and what we've recently, I mean, that's, that's maybe a little bit going to be too nerdy, but this there has been this RFC request for comments on the English Wikipedia about um, asking the foundation to involve the English language Wikipedia English language Wikipedia community into decisions about funding and um, projects that don't involve English Wikipedia. And I think that really shows how kind of broken this governance system is because why because it's not these decisions are not being made on a global level. And now the English community speaks with the foundation about that they want to have a, a louder say in those global in those global decisions making but why should it only be the english wikipedia and not all not like mm -hmm. the global community in that um yeah so it goes to show why still why we need more transparency more equ equity more participation in making decisions and i you know one of the things that i always think of as let's create some structures where all of lives are easier and we don't spend so Please. much time in conflict <laughs> and on, you know, and then on fighting about things and, uh, and create some, not just make legitimate decisions, but also make smart decisions um, so that people can just move on and edit Wikipedia, you know, and do their thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's also a thing. What, what, um, a couple of people say about this, like global council and movement charter, it all takes so long and it takes so much time and decisions will be even slower and it will also be all be so expensive. I think that once we have established a just and a, a, like an equitable system, it might take a little bit longer, but we don't have to go back and fight after all those decisions and discuss and then turn the decisions back and so on but then we have agreement and can move on and can take care of the next stuff that's right ahead of us it's also a more accountable way to to work with donor money is if we don't spend years on bad decisions that yeah <laughs> then uh and actually don't get implemented you know can i say one more thing uh, about that sure mm, i wanted to say that uh, that also now, if we question these recommendations or the strategic direction, they are in agreement between really multiple stakeholders in the movement. And if we now question them fundamentally, it puts us back to where we started in 2015. And this would again be like very a waste of time and resources, but also it would harm the trust that we build with these participatory processes, right? the trust and the the time that all these all the volunteers and staff invested in it would basically be wa wasted and i don't think we can risk this we can yeah we cannot risk this we need to build upon those um those results and of course i don't mean it's not i mean we need to adapt iterate and evaluate but still move forward instead of always looking back so you mentioned the Movement Charter, and I would just like to introduce this um, this project a little bit better. So this is coming from the recommendation number four. That's an initiative that comes from this recommendation. And there is this group right now, the MCDC, Movement Charter Drafting Committee, that is writing this document, right? And, and this document is supposed to 
lay out the foundation of our future governance system. And there are a lot of hopes and wishes, but also fears that are connected to that. So, Magia, I would like to hear from you. What are your hopes? Well, um, on a personal level, I, I hope that we can build on all of the research and synthesis and effort that has already gone into um, crafting these recommendations, as Nicole and uh, Nikki just mentioned. I think that's the best and most responsible use of resources, is if we can build on these things. Um, so um, I, I would love to see that, um, or I, I believe actually that by by crafting this movement charter, we are going to unleash the ability to um, tackle many of the other initiatives. So it's uh, like this is sort of a um, a necessary step to make all the rest of it happen. So I would really like to see this happen quickly and efficiently, and utilizing it all of the knowledge we've gained so far along the way. Um, and then I guess just personally, again, you know, my vision of the movement is what I described before, you know, that there is this, this council of uh, elected and selected council members um, whose job it is to make only the most overarching operational strategic decisions in collaboration with the Wikimedia Foundation, uh, of course. Um, and that there is then a small number of regional hubs who can extend the support and research resource management that is now provided exclusively by the foundation um, and have these this extended decision making capability extended further out into the uh, movement. And I think those two things will together maximize the opportunity for participation in movement governments, governance um, overall. And they, those two things are going to be the way by which we, we enable this possibility of subsidiarity or the idea of, of decision-making and empowerment at the most local level possible. Sounds like a great vision for 2030. I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Margay. Um, so to wrap up, let's look at the summit again, which we hope many summit participants um, are listening to this episode to get their their heads sort of pointed in that direction of talking about governance. So what what is, in your opinion, Nicole, what is the meaning of the summit 2024 in all this, in this creating our, our more equitable movement governance? I mean, for me, it's really the last opportunity for affiliates to shape the charter because it will be close to being finalized. And at the summit in April, the affiliates, they come together and they can really develop. They, I mean, I hope they use the, the, this opportunity to develop a joint stance on the future of how decisions will be made in the future and what their role and their responsibilities of the affiliates and the uh, organizations in the movement will be. And I. To be honest, it's also, I mean, it's up to the Wikimedia Summit organizers, which Wikimedia Deutschland, of course, is uh, mainly involved with. But also, it's really up to the the affiliates uh, to make use of that chance, and I hope they will take that chance because it's the last chance to do that. Famous last words. So, affiliates, 
get together um reach out and uh let's let's make this happen in in april of 2024 and then we can also maybe have affiliates gatherings where we don't have to talk about governance anymore that would be nice <laughs> as well <laughs> all right so that's a wrap i think That's a wrap of our 15th episode of Wikimove. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our guests, Margay, Nicole. It was great to have you. Thanks for giving that perspective. It was wonderful. If I read us out. Yay! Wikimove is a production of Wikimedia Deutschland and its governance and movement relations team. Wikimove is also available on podcast app and on YouTube. And there will be English subtitles to this episode. Our music was composed and produced by Rory Gregory and is available under CC by SA on Wikimedia Commons. And so are all of our Wikimove episodes. Thanks again to our wonderful guest. We all learned a lot today, at least I did. As I say, I was the only one who was not part of the whole of this whole story. So thank you very much for, for telling us about uh, what happened back then. You can visit our Wikimove meta page and listen to all the episodes and also suggest topics and guests for future episodes. You can even suggest yourself if you want to come on and talk about movement strategy. It doesn't have to be governance. Um, you can react to podcasts and connect with other listeners and subscribe to be notified when we release new episodes. And if you want to reach out to us, please do so via the Wikimove meta page, or you can also send us an email and all the relevant links are available on the show notes. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you soon. Thank you. Uh, Tschüssi. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Bye-bye. Au